Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome to Snake Oil Radio here at uh, Blog Talk Radio. Hope everyone is enjoying their day. Uh, if this is your first time tuning into Snake Oil Radio, uh, let me tell you a little bit about the show for a minute or two, and then we'll kind of launch into things. Uh, Snake Oil Radio runs usually the first week. And last week, well, first week and third week of each Tuesday of the month, uh, generally usually shoot with about 11 o'clock Phoenix time. And uh, Snake Oil Radio is a, uh, an outgrowth of a column I have been doing for, a blog column I've been doing for a number of years called Snake Oil. So I am a professional oracle reader. My expertise is in uh, tarot, numerology, astrology, um, uh, all kinds of different uh, metaphysical uh, oracles. In that sense, I've studied for a long time. This is what I do uh, professionally. I do private sessions with people and kind of a sort of more of a maybe a life counseling thing with these uh, added interesting tools to work with. Um, and anyway, uh, Snake Oil Radio was something I started doing uh, about five years back. I think all the time. And I started writing about alternative thoughts, um, philosophy, perspective. Certainly, um, my column talks about some very personal issues that we go through as human beings, as well as um, uh, metaphysical topics and themes. And also, you know, I do talk about cultural phenomenon as well, too, in the larger world uh, from the uh, snake oil philosophy. So um, each month, usually when I do the, uh, the first broadcast of the month, I like to read my monthly blog column live on air, and then I will invite any listeners who are, um, are listening live to uh, ask any questions or make comments um, about the subject matter or just about anything else for that matter. Um, also, uh, you can ask for you know, a private little, uh, well, not private, <laughs> it's on radio, a quick little five-minute, uh, question, so I'm going to pull an oracle on that and, and tell you what that, that comes up for you. Certainly that's an option, but uh, either, uh, again, questions, comments, anything you want to ask or uh, in relation to that, as well as uh, talking about the subject at hand, which is the purpose of the uh, monthly column as well. So why don't we dive in. Let me read to you my monthly April 2009 uh, Snake Oil column. It is called Rebuilding Roads. Over a year ago, Phoenix Road Crew started doing some road construction on the two-mile road that runs in front of my home. The project would supposedly end with new sidewalks, two wider lanes, and a third middle turning lane to help traffic flow better. They also planned on replacing sewer pipes and a few other upgrades as part of the reconstruction. It was also the plan to improve the neighborhood, but the construction itself has been a series of tremendous roadblocks that have made the last year difficult for me as well as my clients and friends to navigate around. Destruction and reconstruction are very real themes that we experience physically in this world as well as emotionally and psychologically in our personal lives. Sometimes positive change can begin with feeling like one is being torn apart. While I knew that when the project was finished we would have a much better road and neighborhood, I still experienced extreme periods of irritation while this was being done. 
In the past year, I have received a number of panic phone calls from clients and students who are struggling to get to my home office and through the seemingly endless mess. There were a few times the construction blockages were so difficult to get around that I had to climb curbs in my small car to get into my own complex. For a few months, I had to drive a mile out of the way each time I came back from the east to get home because the road only went in one direction. I also noticed many days in a row where there were no workers doing anything at all. A number of times, I saw them only working on only one tiny portion of the two-mile road for weeks at a time. Well, the rest of the road was nearly impossible to navigate through. The only good thing I could find in this frustrating situation was the opportunity to express sarcasm and humor about it with my friends and my clients. Humor is often a helpful tool that decreases my irritation. There are all kinds of wise-ass comments about the road work. Half the time it seems they're they're just a bunch of teamsters walking around with coffee and donuts and doing nothing. How freaking long does it take to finish two miles of road in the first place? They can build entire casinos in Las Vegas at half this time. Is it possible to milk and stretch out a project any longer than this ridiculous one? Will I get to see this completed during my lifetime? In defense of the road crews, I have no idea how complicated and manning the task of road crew reconstruction really is. There is a very obvious reason why I still have soft hands in my 40s. Except for occasional gardening, I've rarely dirtied my hands in this life with any physical hard labor. So while I found myself often bitching and moaning about my frustration of how ridiculously long this project was taking, there still had to be some valid reasons why it never seemed to be finished. One night towards the end of the summer of 2008, I went for a walk late one evening. I had to walk around piles of dirt and pipes on unfinished sidewalks and barricades. I finally made it to the neighborhoods behind the torn-up streets. I walked past the peaceful houses where most of the inhabitants were sleeping and began to understand why this was all happening and taking so damn long. The reconstruction of the two-mile strip of road in front of my house perfectly mirrored what was going on in my personal life and in the United States. For many years in this country, we've experienced all kinds of roadblocks and problems. Excessive greed, corrupt politics, inflated housing markets, banks running anywhere without any real collateral, spending billions of dollars on a war, religious lunatics with false morality eroding a great country and leading us to this breaking point. We now need to collectively rebuild America and restructure its values and its priorities. While things are tough for many Americans right now, we're definitely on the road to rebuilding a stronger country. In my own backyard, I had overused credit cards for too many years, and it was time to pay it all back and get out of debt. Eliminating my mounting debt needed to be my top priority. I could not put it off any longer. I now have to work a part-time job on the weekends to pay off all of it for the next two years or so. Well, it was bothered at first, and I'm comfortable with my necessary sacrifice. You also knew it inevitably resulted in increased prosperity. 2009 is the year of the ox. In Chinese astrology, ox people are strong, sturdy, can even understand the value of hard work. When a wild ox is tamed and domesticated, it can transport heavy loads. In Chinese astrology, I was born in the year of the dragon. The aspects of the dragon fit me far more accurately than the ox, but I knew I needed to use some of the wisdom of the ox this year. Some extra hard work and a practical approach 
would be the keys to making 2009 a successful year for me. The road construction will soon be ending on my street. Traffic will move more freely. Nevada homes will likely increase because of this. This seemingly endless reconstruction of the road had an important message within it that I understood when I stopped battling the experience. A part of me had created it. Individually and collectively, we create our own realities. I had been part of creating this and wasted some time feeling angry and victimized by my own creation. I lost focus on the necessity of destruction leading to reconstruction and recreation. I felt empowered when I returned from my walk that night. Something had shifted internally for me and it felt good. I was no longer irritated about how long this was all taking. I was excited to see what constructive beauty would come of this process. I now work an extra 25 hours a week waiting tables again. There are times when it could be a little exhausting. I thought it would be incredibly difficult to juggle my home counseling business, two radio shows, writing a monthly blog column, teaching classes, and working a part-time job. But in truth, it's not as hard as I thought it would be. While it's tough being on my feet again, there are some real benefits. I like this part-time restaurant job. It's fun. It gets me out of the house, and I make an excellent extra money. I made a decision early 2008 that I would get out of debt and make the best money in my life in 2009 and 2010. This is exactly what is beginning to occur. Yesterday, a note was placed on my door from the city's road construction crew. The project will be completely finished in a few weeks. While I know it will realistically take the country a bit longer to pull itself back together, I know that its destruction process will soon be replaced by reconstruction and that it will be a more positive and prosperous time. I've restabilized and reconstructed my life so it is now stronger and more solid. Now I get to continue to use the wisdom of the ox, my charismatic skills as a dragon, to lend a hand and guide the people around me to do the very same thing. Okay, so that is my monthly column um, that I did for April of 2009. If anybody has been following, or anybody, if anyone's been following the radio show or following my column and gets my monthly blog column, I have talked about this theme and this subject another number of times. And by the way, if you're not getting my monthly newsletter, you can email me at Ventura, spelled just my last name, and S as in Sam, A as in Apple, G as in Guy, at yahoo.com. It has to be put on the mailing list. It's free. You'll get my monthly column just once a month uh, directly, so you don't have to necessarily wait to listen to it to the show, um, including my newsletter and other things about classes and promotions that I do and just some good information each month. So you're welcome to uh, access that. Um, I can also be reached at VenturaWords at Mac.com, another uh, email address that you can access me at. So I have been talking about this subject for quite a bit. In fact, um, if anyone is listening live and has a comment or any type of question, even not necessarily related to this subject theme, the call number is 646 Again, that is uh, 646-200-3966 if you want to call in with any uh, questions or comments. So um, 
Again, yes, I've been kind of talking about this whole subject and matter and theme for quite a while. Uh, if you catch any of the previous broadcasts on the column, you'll know that, you know, I talked a bit about how difficult 2008 was. I think that many of my listeners and my reading audience has shared a certain amount of difficulty financially uh, and for many people emotionally and psychologically in 2008. It definitely was kind of a bit of an, an ass-kicker in that sense in terms of um, of a lot of themes and issues coming up for people um, at, at multiple levels. Um, I know very few people were not affected by some of the difficulty in a way, even just at a financial level. You know, the market went down. Um, now as we're in 2009, the unemployment rate I think is at 8 or 9% at this point. So there very much is uh, still this kind of lingering, difficult energy that is going on uh, without question. You know, I do hear of people losing jobs and um, getting and pay cuts and various other things. But at the same token, uh, I should say by the same token, uh, I also, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about where things are for me and also for a number of my clients because I think that we're hearing a lot of, you know, negativity uh, through the media about how bad the economy is, how difficult things are, yet at the same time, I'm not fully convinced that this is completely accurate. And this really comes not from an impractical uh, perception or perspective as much as it comes from the idea that I certainly always want to uh, talk about with people that our thoughts and our beliefs always create our reality. We not only do this individually, but we also do this in mass. In other words, what you believe deeply about life is reflected back into your space. And um, although it's, you know, you might say, well, I'm going to believe that a million dollars is going to rain from the sky. Well, you can say you believe that, but you don't really believe it. The beliefs are the core things that we believe about life that we, we largely do not question. So um, not only do we have these individual beliefs that form our experience, and you know, anyone who's familiar with the secret or all kinds of different versions of metaphysical uh, perspectives and philosophies, um, uh, one of my favorites has always been uh, the, the writer Jane Roberts who channeled for Seth and talked about the idea that we create our own reality. You know, these ideas are not necessarily new, and you know, I've often said to people, you can stamp your feet up and down all you like, you will still not change the idea that your thoughts and your beliefs form your experience. So rather than fight the idea, embrace it in the sense of looking at the beliefs and the thoughts that you have and see whether you can honestly, one, uncover where you, when you begin to believe this in that sense, and then whether you're willing to change those beliefs. Now, that in itself is a, a, is a process. Uh, you know, I've talked to many clients through this process of belief changing, but it works effectively when you've uncovered the, we'll say, we'll say false beliefs, but the negative beliefs in the first place. Because if you try to insert a new belief over a an old belief, you kind of usually get kind of a dual reality experience in that sense. Not the old belief will even override it. It can take a little while before the the uh, your new beliefs when you change them become manifest physically in that sense. 
So it, it really, really is a process. Certainly a worthy one. There's a lot of literature on this. Certainly anyone uh, can, can talk to me, and I can do session work with them this way, or you can just, on your own, do research into this idea. So this said, we not only create our realities individually, but we also create them again in mass. And what that means is that we group consciousness also forms beliefs and then responds to those beliefs physically. So, for instance, you know, when, you're, when you're part of a certain city or town, often there are mass beliefs that do connect with those areas and perspectives. We also too often tend to get beliefs and perspectives that come culturally or what, from what we were taught from our family. So, for instance, in a smaller context, often all members of a family might have certain sets of beliefs about what they perceive reality to be and what they consider you know, right or wrong in that world. So we constantly form groups around ourselves, reflect back the beliefs that we hold. So this said, and, and looking at this idea in that sense, you know, I'd like to say that I don't disagree that we have difficulty in the economy and that there's a certain amount of recession. But what I have been really wanting to talk to clients and, and my uh, radio audience listeners and my readers about is the idea that because many people believe in a following this experience doesn't mean that you have to. We have the choice. We have the ability to make this shift and make this change and to get out of the victim consciousness. Now, the victim consciousness that is presently being sold, bad economy, difficult to get jobs, all of those things. Again, it's real because we believe it. And for many of us, we pool together to believe this as a mass experience in terms of an actual threat. So again, I'm not invalidating anyone's experience if you're struggling with difficulty. I'm trying to get you to understand that there's a way to maneuver and shift reality individually as well as in mass when we become aware of that desire and the willingness to do that. So the, this idea that it's a bad economy, in essence, I mean, I was very much, you know, coming out of personal experience, I was very much tainted by this through much of 2008, as I've talked about before. I had a very difficult year financially. Um, there was a point where my business dropped a good 30 40%, and my debt was rising, and um, my income was decreasing, and I was left in a very, very difficult quandary about what I was supposed to do here because you know, there were, in essence, two choices that I could see. One would be to default on paying my credit cards. Um, you know, I, I was making enough money to pay my basic bills, but it was just credit card debt that it was difficult to cover. So I could default on those cards and allow my credit to go. I could even have considered bankruptcy. Or I could have made a decision about working more hours and making more money to pay off those debts. So, the, you know, as, much, as I pondered this for a little while, and in meditation, the message came to me very clearly that the answer was for me to get part-time work again and, um, you know, to just supplement my income. Now, my initial response was not to be happy with that message. Um, I really, I did, I, I, I meditated on whether I should declare bankruptcy or just default. And a number of people give me suggestions and advice. I robbed Peter to pay Paul through much of the summer to early fall of 2008, and then the it, you know the decision to get some part-time work became very 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 clear that it was really what I had to do because every time I thought about bankruptcy 
or defaulting. Something in me just could not wrap myself around it. And it isn't a judgment that I would make on anyone else going through this experience because people have degrees of difficulty and many people have had to walk away from homes, default on credit cards, um, you know, various other things that they can't pay for. But for me, I had to really look at it in terms of my own beliefs and what I was willing to accept. And, you know, I've always had the skill to wait tables of bartend, you know, even now, now that I'm in my early 40s, I still and haven't done this for a number of years. It still has a certain charm to it. You know, it's a pain in the ass at some levels, but I do enjoy it. It is fun. It's often good money. I have tremendous skill in it, so I often can get into, you know, well-paying restaurants. And in essence, that's exactly what happened. I ended up finding kind of this perfect place to work that I'm now working in. In fact, in Phoenix, it's already been pushed up to the, in just a matter of being open, a brand new place, two, three months, it's considered uh, one of the second best places in Phoenix to go out to dine. It keeps getting all kinds of positive reviews, and it has been busy fairly fast. Um, so I, you know, I really I increased my income weekly. Uh, I literally added, you know, probably about another four or five hundred dollars a week. You know, another, you know, probably almost twenty five grand a year to my income, which easily covers getting out of debt. Uh, probably take me a couple of years uh, to do so, but um, completely getting out of debt with this extra money. And really, actually, another asset was I could travel more often because I'm making more money. A little harder to get off. I still have a couple of days where I can take off and I can travel and go to Vegas and L.A. and various other places like I like to. So while that transition of getting that job and working it was difficult, I'm not going to minimize what it was like to go from working you know, 15, 20 hours a week to 45 to 50, counting all the things that I do. Yeah, this caused some certain changes that had to be made. But you know, what's been funny with the extra money coming in is now – I am um, really making really good money. My, my business is, is doing well and has increased. And, um, you know, I've sold more books. I'm teaching classes. Uh, extra money I'm making in the restaurant is really, really good. So it's funny because while I'm, I'm paying off all this debt, I do have a really nice stream of income coming in. So it's interesting to me that when I talk to people who are still struggling, because I can identify completely with how they feel and that sense of being trapped and all of those things that, that people experience um, when, when money's tied or they've lost their job or there's a pay cut along the way. But I can also say this in all sincerity, that you can change your experience. You do not have to stay in poverty or, or difficulty if you are willing to make the decision to do what you have to do to move forward, like I talked about in the piece about the year of the ox. You know, we don't really, most of us would prefer not to carry bricks, of, uh, carry bricks on our shoulders and walk around. But in that analogy, you know, I'm sure when, when they use ox to carry heavy loads in other cultures, I'm sure the ox isn't necessarily thrilled about carrying the heavy loads, but it can and, you know, the same context applies in a, in a different way to exercising and working out, something I enjoy doing, uh, not compulsively, but fairly often. Um, you know, you, the expression, no pain, no gain, does have an element of wisdom about it, because when you, when you work out, you do, you rip the muscle apart and it builds up stronger. So you may carry more muscle and be in better shape, but the benefits physically, emotionally, sexually, 
you know, uh, even spiritually that come from being in healthier and stronger functioning body are absolutely phenomenal. But does it take work to get the body that way? Yes. So, you know, the same dynamic applies to our financial situation. You know, um, I think that we, um, a lot of times we get caught up in these traps of thinking to ourselves, well, if I was used to making 60 bucks an hour and now I have to take a $15 an hour job part-time to supplement my income, well, that's somehow a, a, a drop or somehow a failure on that part. But the truth of it is, and this is a very real thing that I think people experience in this economy, there is more competition for jobs. There is, um, you know, there is uh, definitely an effect that this economy has had on our businesses and various sort of factors. So the people that are shining now, and many are, businesses and things that are doing well, you know, we hear all this talk about everything being bad. This is not accurate. There are car companies, there are restaurants, there are stores, there are places that are making, are doing well. So, and people that are. So the key here, I think, as, for us as, as people, if we want to change our reality, is one, to realize that we can. And then two, to look at what is blocking you from doing what's necessary to achieve more financial success or prosperity or to get in a more comfortable position. And again, using my own experiences, when I first got the idea that my higher self spirit was telling me that I needed to wait tables again. I tell you, I could have thrown a brick at them. If they were physical, I could throw a brick at them and more or less would I ever be that angry to do so, not likely. But uh, all humor aside, um, I wasn't thrilled with that idea, but now that's funny, now that I'm actually doing it, what I realize is one of the other things that the, the, the part-time job is doing is aside from it bringing actual physical, tangible extra money in. And yeah, I, I make 100 bucks an hour as a counselor, but I only end up having 20 or 25 as a waiter. But if you work enough hours, that adds up and can be quite good. And the other thing is, what I, what the bigger thing that I notice is because I'm bringing in more money that way, it seems like my business increased and I suddenly got more clients and more business and started making more money in other areas. Because it was the pressure that had come off of my own psyche about fear of lack. So it ended up influencing a lot of other areas. And, you know, I'm going to, in my next month's uh, column and radio show, I'm going to talk about this in, in some more detail, but I do want to touch upon it a bit now. But when I changed and did what was necessary and made that shift, I noticed that it also seemed like a number of my friends and clients also have begun to make a similar shift around me. So I actually know quite a few people now who are doing very, very well and really, really are even, you know, quite successful at this point in the game. And I probably know more people going through that than I know of people who are struggling. And I think, again, it has to do with the perspective and the group consciousness position that you take. Now, the other thing I'd like to say is if anyone who's listening is has lost their job or struggling and um, to make ends meet and, and suffering, you know, there's one thing I want to say, rather than, because I've had people do this from time to time, rather than get mad at me and saying, how dare you suggest I created this? 
understand that we do not, you don't get up in the morning and say to yourself every day, oh my God, I'm not going to have enough money. It's going to be really, really difficult. My life is going to suck. This is exactly what I want. Most people are not really doing that at a conscious level. But when you are bombarded by media and uh, you, know, you go to work and you hear that there's going to be layoffs and that's your biggest fear, we have this self-talk that goes on in our own psyches that tells us how difficult things are and what if this happens. And, and at some levels we'll often almost fantasize about what if, what if I lost my job, what if this occurred. You know, thankfully, all the things that we think about don't manifest. If every thought we had manifested into physical experience, we would for a huge trouble. But with repeated thoughts, when we focus on that over and over and over again, inevitably that is in essence what we create. So if you are submerged in an environment, like a work environment, where they're endlessly talking about making cuts and, and decreasing people's salaries, you're going to be caught in the mass consciousness of that place and those beliefs and those fears. Then in addition, if you watch the news and listen to the media repeatedly, much of the uh, standard media is constantly reinforcing the difficulty that the economy and people are going through. So you're getting bombarded at multiple levels from the belief that things will go wrong and that it will be difficult. So my first suggestion to any of my listeners and any of my readers, and of course I go into this in more detail when I work person one-on-one with, with clients, but I can... Give us some insight even here. My first suggestion is remove yourself from those beliefs. In other words, minimize the amount of television and radio news that you listen to. I'm not saying ignore it entirely, but minimize it. Do not get much feed from that area. Put your energy toward positive sources that are talking about some of the good things going on in the world. The second thing is do not... recognize that while other people may believe something or have a fear, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to. When you catch yourself worrying about how bad things can go and what could happen, stop and simply imagine yourself being prosperous. Literally, two seconds of visualization. I am prosperous. My point of power is now. I am, every day I become more prosperous. I am making more money. I will make more money than I've ever made in the coming year. I am very good at what I do. I am needed no matter what is going on, and I'm paid well for it. These are, this is self-talk. This is a way of beginning to restructure your psyche, to accept the idea of wealth and abundance and success, even if there are many people around who are not experiencing success. Now, so it, it's, a, it's a focal point. In that sense, you know, one of the things that benefited me by getting the part-time job was because I literally had more cash in hand, I noticed that the, the, the self-talk, the belief in scarcity and fear has begun to decrease. As that decreases, of course, my income seems to increase. Now, again, you can analyze this to death, but I'm telling you, one creates the other. They walk hand in hand and back and forth with each other in that sense. So my message, in essence, to my listeners is, listen, guys, I can help you with this personally, or, you know, you listen to my radio shows, you read my column, you get a lot of this insight, it don't cost you anything. But the reality of it is, is you do not have to stay and struggle if 
you are willing to do what's necessary to move from point A to point B and to trust your own higher self, your own spirit, to solve the issue and the problem. And not only trust it, to believe that they are doing that, they're in the process of doing it, and even better yet, that they've already done it. Because we didn't come here to suffer. This is very much a false belief, very much um, something that we do not have to hold on to and believe unless we choose to. You know, God doesn't smile when we suffer. Um, maybe he does, she does, but I, I, I don't not only doubt it, but I think at a deeper core, I know that this is not the case. We are dealing with the repercussions of a very greedy uh, economy and mass psyche in much of the 2000s that now has this repercussion coming back around to it. But this mass belief that everything is bad and only getting worse and that it's going to be harder and harder is literally that. It's a belief. You will have to decide which train you're going to ride in that sense. And I've chosen the prosperity train. And since I've made that decision and overcame the fear to ride the prosperity train, I'm actually experiencing prosperity. Surprise, surprise. And anyone can do this. We do not have to stay in a victim consciousness. The way out of the victim consciousness is to recognize the belief in it in the first place, to be, begin to say, I feel victimized, I feel caged, I feel I don't have a way out. Admitting that is the first step in getting out, because then you'll understand if you listen to those words, I mean, write them down, say it on a tape recorder and listen to it back. That's the statement you're making to the universe. That is your belief. So while if you look out, it is validated, again, I cannot repeat this enough, your beliefs form your reality. Change your beliefs, and then the reality changes. It sometimes can take a little while, a few days, a few weeks, a few months, even a few years in some cases. But when you completely change your belief structure, then again, reality, it, the job of physical reality is to reflect back our beliefs. So what, knowing this, Consciously, why would you continue to believe in scarcity? Why would you continue to believe in lack? Why would you continue to believe in victimization? And, you know, I myself spent quite a few months feeling that way. But it has been said that often or only at the point of greatest darkness do we recognize the true creative power of the self. Every one of my listeners, every one of my readers is talented, has unique characteristics, different abilities and skills, many with brilliant ideas and really, really notable talents that they either need to develop more of, could develop more of, and recognizing that you are not an accident or a blight on the landscape. God, all that is, the Tao, whatever your terminology for spirit is such that you were made perfect. Now, that doesn't mean that you have flaws, but perfect in the sense that you have challenges and skills and abilities that the planet and many people here needed. Maybe, maybe many, maybe a few, but no matter what, you have a unique, unique characteristic and design that gives you special talents and abilities. Now, once you realize that, you begin to maximize and figure out what you need to do with those abilities and how to make them prosperous for you. You know, the, the thing of it is, and really, really think about this, money itself is 
an obvious tangible tool that we use as an exchange. We use currency as an exchange to buy things, right? Very simple. Um, but uh, you know what? I should. I only got another ten minutes, but let me sort of call a number. By the way, it's six four six two hundred three nine six six. I've only got about ten minutes, so if anybody calls in, don't have to be a short conversation. But you're certainly welcome to if you're listening live. Six four six two hundred three nine six six. Money is an exchange of energy. Money is a belief in personal power. When you believe you have power, you often have money. They can be synonymous in some respects. So because money is to some extent power in that when you can buy things, you can treat your friends, you can eat well, you can live comfortably, you tend to feel better, you tend to feel happier. You know what I mean? You know, in a very, it sounds like such a dumb, obvious statement, but you know, the difference between sleeping in a cheap bed and a really comfortable bed is huge. The difference in walking around in really, really well-made shoes and walking around in shoes that are crap or not having shoes at all is, in essence, whether we like it or not, for the most part, has to do with money. If you have more money, then you can buy better shoes. You can buy better things. Now, the problem to me is that much of the 2000s, people got too consumed with having money. And much of the belief that, of money that they had wasn't even real money. These inflated markets and various other factors. We're not, it's not like we're losing money. We just are now realizing we never had some of it. But again, the analogy is similar to power. If you are in a space where you can recognize that when you recognize your own personal power, your own influence in the world, you, you, you can marvel in your own talents and abilities, you realize that you should be paid for them. And the more you are confident in what you do, the more likely you are to be paid well. So, you know, for instance, it's very funny. Every once in a while, you know, someone will call me about setting up a session or an appointment. And I get a little bit uncomfortable about what I charge. I generally charge $110 for a 70-minute session, kind of a long hour, and I charge 75 for a shorter 40-minute session. Most of the time, I never run across this. Occasionally, I run across someone who's uncomfortable with what I charge. And but what's funny is I actually, in terms of people who do what I do, I'm kind of on the average to even slightly below average in terms of price and charge. And my expertise is extremely high. So I could charge more, but I try to charge a reasonable amount to make sure I can reach more people while still being prosperous for myself. And what's funny is I think that this is this ties into the whole interesting snake oil idea, by the way, because you know. People who don't understand what I do have never talked to me, work with me, or have no experience with really, really um, uh, good use of astrology and tarot and numerology and, and, and many of these amazing tools and rune stones and animal cards. People who've never experienced this often see me as a snake oil salesman. Although that's where the idea for the column came up, by the way. Um, and I find that very funny because while, you know, I recognize how good I am at what I do. I have a very amazing ability to get people to see clearly, to help them steer them toward, toward happiness and to help them to find and change the beliefs and the limitations that they use to block themselves from, from prosperity and success and happiness. I'm good at it. And my skill level in, all, in, in doing tarot card readings and numerology and astrology, all these things, is really valuable. You know, in our 10-minute session, having your astrology chart done is, with me is mind-blowing. It's amazing. You will understand your life in a way that you would never have. It can be tremendously valuable. So you hear me talk about this ever so uh, proudly because I can be. 
I do have the skill. I do have this ability. If someone chooses not to pay me and to use that services, that is their choice, and they're right. I kind of feel like they're missing out on something that would be very, very valuable to them. But I recognize their right to make the decision. So I never hard sell what I do because I don't have to. People come to me through referral. And, and they come to me because I get a lot of referrals and I'm good at what I do. Now, I'm talking about this because I want my listeners and I want my readers and I want my audience and I want my clients to understand that healthy pride, not to excess, but healthy pride and confidence in what you do is key to manifesting more money, more success, and more strength in this world. It's key. If you don't see yourself or believe yourself to be valuable, then other people will not believe you to be valuable either. So the first key is developing skills and abilities that really, really, really support your talents and, and skills and, and really reconfirming your value. Now, on another level, um, you know, even if you needed to supplement your income and you decided to do something that was not maybe as, as skill-oriented as maybe some of the other things that you do, if you're a, um, a skilled accountant and then you decide to take a part-time job making coffee at Starbucks or something like that, be aware that it's only the ego itself that makes us think that somehow we have stepped down because, you know, you may make new friends, make new connections, pick up new clients, uh, and enjoy that job in ways that are very, very hard to verbalize unless you actually walk through it. So it's, it's learning how to get out of this idea that, um, that you're, you failed somehow if you, if you have to do certain things to support yourself along the way. Um, it's not always necessarily going to be that you have to climb to the highest thing. But I always suggest that at some level you also do climb to the highest thing, even if it means that you do something menial on the side while working toward that climb. Because really that's what this is about at this point in the game. You know, when you when you're not when you have more money coming in you'll have less money <laughs> you'll have less money worries and you'll eventually create more wealth and more money. But I can't tell everyone a strict formula on what your own higher self and spirit is going to tell you if you get quiet and meditate, look at your beliefs, and be willing to surrender to allowing spirit to direct you toward more prosperity and more wealth. You, everyone will get different messages. For some people, it will be you need to go back to school. For some people, it will be you need to declare bankruptcy. For some people, it will be you need to work a part-time job. For some people, it will be you need to change careers. There is a different message in one way or another for everyone, but there is a message, and that is the strongest theme and thing I really want to, to validate today. When they redid the roads in front of my house, I recognized that it was me redoing and recreating my own life too. I wanted at some deeper collective consciousness level to upgrade the road and the streets around me because I had no, I always thought it was crappy. So then when I created it, it took a while, I was pissed off. <laughs> so realize, again, we're all doing the same thing in this world and in this life right now. We are rebuilding and restructuring America, we're restructuring our own lives. But focus on the idea that that restructure is not only going to be pros prosperous and beneficial, but it's going to be even better. This is what we're working toward. Um, and I'd like to see and hope that my listeners and my readers are doing the very same thing in their own way. So looks like we're closing out to the end of our hour here, so let me kind of finish up and mention that next Tuesday 
Uh, I will be doing an interview show with Deb Waxman, who is a um, does jiu-jitsu. Very, very interesting. Um, so check it out um, live if you can, or you can always catch us on the archives. Um, if you're interested in uh, receiving my monthly column snake oil, you can email me at Ventura, S's and Sam, A's and Apple G's and Guy at yahoo.com or at VenturaWords at mac.com. Um, and ask to be placed on the mailing list. It's free. You can always check. I try to post the next uh, radio show at least a couple of weeks in advance. Um, feel free to email me with any questions or comments. You can also go to my website if you're looking for information about booking a private session at web.mac.com slash Ventura Words. Um, you can check out my book. Um, I have my book on uh, in print and also on audio CD. Great to listen to and reasonably priced. You can also find that either on my web or you can also find it through Amazon.com. Uh, I will be publishing Snake Oil Volume 1 probably by the end of this year also and give you all some information about when that's available. So, that said, thank you, everybody. And thanks for the comments in the chat room. Thanks for, um, for, for tuning in, and I hope to catch you next time. Cheers. Jim Ventura, Snake Oil Radio, signing out.